to my first podcast. Today is March 9th, 2022. It is cold and nasty out here in the beautiful state of New Jersey. Um, it's raining and snowing at the same time. It's kind of... Uh, what do you call it? Schizophrenic outside. <clears throat> anyway, um, I've been meaning to start this for some time. I have a little cold right now, so my throat is a little um, cloudy. <clears throat> so forgive me for clearing my throat occasionally. Uh, who am I? Um, this is a probative and a philosophical question. Who we are is based on the experiences we have in life, how we process them, and our ability to understand how they impact our motivations and our outlook in life. <clears throat> I've been reflecting a lot on my life recently from a completely different perspective I guess this is something that you do when you get older. I think it all starts with the subconscious, or what we call the subconscious, <clears throat> that place where we bury all of our emotional baggage that reemerges later in life when we start tripping. Yeah, that. Um, I think that early traumas have a key role <clears throat> in forming who we are. Uh, for me, that would have been my father. Um, my father was an alcoholic. He was also one of the meanest people I know. And it only got worse when he was drinking. <clears throat> he was very small in stature. I'd say he was around 5'7 or so. Me personally, I'm like 5'10". But anyway, he had a case of classic Napoleon Syndrome. Combined with whatever the fuck happened to him during the Korean War. <clears throat> he also had problems with my mom's popularity with men. She was attractive. You know, the high yellow girl. Long hair. You know, she was pretty, but his <clears throat> insecurity was over the top. Um, example, like one instance, my uncle, my mother's brother, was there with a few of her friends, you know, sitting around. I think he was having fish or something. I think that was his favorite thing. <clears throat> anyway, uh. My father came home from hunting, something that he did quite often. Um, now, come to think about it, I'm wondering where that was. But anyway, <clears throat> he came in, he walked up to my uncle, pointed his rifle at him, and pulled the trigger. It wasn't loaded, of course, but he said, um, the next time, it'll be loaded. I told you about men being in my house when I'm not home. 
this is my mother's brother we're talking about. So you can imagine. Anyway, <clears throat> there was always some kind of party going on. By party, I mean drinking, playing cards, listening to music really loud. You know, I can still hear Twisting the Night Away by Sam Cooke playing over and over again. You know, back in those days, um, they played 45s. And if you didn't have a lot of money, you kind of listened to the same music over and over again. Outside of the radio, of course. All the ladies loved them some Sam Cooke and Smokey Robinson, of course. Um, you know, one of these parties, my dad was drunk as usual. He was boasting about his strength, you know, and, uh, he had this, <clears throat> this guy lay on the coffee table. I can't remember exactly who it was, um, but he made him lay on the coffee table and he picked him up with his teeth by his belt <clears throat> There's actually a picture of this moment somewhere out there in the universe. Um, those pictures are somewhere amongst my family, I believe. <clears throat> anyway, um, so yeah, this was my dad. So one day I had, uh, somebody gave me one of these um, bow and arrow sets. I was like five years old. It was a plastic bow and arrow. And it had uh, arrows that had uh, these rubber suction cups on the end. And the deal was, you know, you'd shoot it at a flat surface and it would stick. Something I did to apparently annoy my parents. <clears throat> Plus the fact uh, it was leaving these little dark circles on the wall. <clears throat> from wherever it would stick to the wall. So, you know, they told me, go outside. Go outside and play with that. <clears throat> we lived in Albany Projects. Okay. Um, 1008 St. Mark's Avenue. Apartment 5E. I'll never forget that place. At the entrance to the building there's like a little ledge that had the address on it what did it well it was in front of the building a little ledge outside all the kids from the neighborhood would well from that building more than likely would collect outside playing jump rope and all that kind of stuff so you know you when you went outside you played in front of the building you weren't allowed to go any further than your parents could see you put it that way so, um, you know, I'm outside with my bow and arrow, shooting it up in the air, catching it, whatever. I shot it up, and one of my shots went astray and landed up on the ledge in front of the building. Oh, no. So, I'm like, okay. I went back in the house. Dejected, of course. And my curiosity got the best of me. And I decided, you know, I wanted to see where the arrow was. Because I'm thinking in my head of different kinds of ways of getting it back. But we lived on the fifth floor. So, 
That wasn't happening from where I lived. But anyway, I looked out the window. And I was a little kid. I was very small as a kid. And, you know, I'm looking out the window. And my father, he came up behind me, grabbed me by my ankles, and held me out the window, threatening to drop me. Just think about that. Imagine how far that looked to a five-year-old. So, naturally, I was traumatized. Not from the height alone, but the fact that my father would do such a thing. You know, your father is like the person that you go to as a kid or that's supposed to protect you. You know, um, so yeah, that was kind of um, traumatizing. Um, not only that, but, um, you know, my father had used to beat my mother a lot. I mean, like, viciously. I had an older brother and an older sister. But, you know, a lot of times they wouldn't be home and I would be the only one in the house, like, watching this go down. So, um, one of these instances where he was slapping her around and beating her and her and whatever, and I, you know, decided I was going to try to stop him. <clears throat> he grabbed me, picked me up by my shirt and held me to his face and told me that if I ever raised my hand to him, he would kill me. This is my father we're talking about. So, yeah, I was scared of him more than anything. Um, Like I said, my father was extremely insecure and jealous. Uh, My mother had gotten pregnant with... uh, my sister and he had gotten into you know one of many jealous rages over men giving her money which happened a lot while I was there he punched her in the stomach and my sister would not survive long after being born prematurely After that, he went south, back to North Carolina where he was born, and they divorced, you know, not too long after that, and my stepdad came into the picture almost, like, immediately, somebody else I really wasn't fond of, not just because he was my stepdad, but because, um, our first encounters just didn't go smoothly enough. Um, he was crazy too. My stepdad was uh, a Muslim, quote unquote Muslim, um, that was really into control. And um, he had another family. Him and my mother had met at work. They used to work at the Coney Island Hospital together. Anyway, <clears throat> he um, would bring his kids over 
his two sons, well, his two older sons, and uh, the younger of the two was just a year older than me. So I had this tricycle that um, played a big part in some other stuff that happened to me. But anyway, uh, the younger one, Philip, you know, he comes in the house and he wants to ride the bike. <clears throat> so he gets on the bike and he's trying to ride it up and down the hallway. And um, he knocked the seat off, which actually the screw was loose. But, you know, him being you know bigger than me and all that kind of stuff, he just loosened it and the seat came off. I freaked out, pushed him. My stepfather comes over and slaps me in the face. So I'm like, you're not my dad. You can't touch me. Don't touch me. Run into my room. Stayed in my room. Um, I waited until later on that night. I was like heated over that because I'm like, who is this man that put his hands on me? One of the things that uh, was drilled into you when you were growing up in the hood was defending yourself. That was a big thing. So, um, you know, I uh, wasn't too kind of being slapped in the face by some man that I didn't know. And while they were sleeping, I went in the kitchen, got a knife, and decided to stab him in the throat. I can remember creeping into the bedroom and standing over the bed looking at him and my mother woke up and caught me. She grabs me. He wakes up. He's freaking out. She's freaking out. <clears throat> and, you know, took a knife from me, told me to go to bed, whatever. You know, I got in trouble for that, of course. But he never touched me again. I was five. So, you know, that... Um, that was a pretty deep uh, resentment going all the way back to that age. <clears throat> and to think that to this day, I kind of wonder like, well, damn, you know, where was I going with that? But, um, you know, it happened. So that's the story of my two dads, I guess you could call it. Um, how those things uh, impacted me were not necessarily to become them, but to be the exact opposite of them. And those were very formative in my life as a person. <laughs>